Welcome to another episode of Consider This. Glad that you're joining us today in the studio. I have Rachel Madden. She is our college minister here at Sunnybrook Christian Church. Joined us in May and is doing an amazing job. Um, It's been fun to talk with her about how, not just busy, but how uh, even difficult I think the last number of months have actually been because of a lot of things that are happening uh, here in our town and here in our ministries. Um, and so Rachel's done an amazing job navigating what we're going to be talking about today, which is in those significant relationships that we have, when do we speak? When do we remain silent? This is part of a, a podcast series that is in response to our sermons that we are going through on love from a biblical perspective. We really hope that this podcast is um, intentional and practical and a blessing to you. So enjoy. Rachel. Yes, Jim. When you're in a relationship with someone in um, almost any context, so I want you to think about your parents, I want you to think about your siblings, but also your close friends. And I would even like for you to consider a little bit um, maybe how this has changed over time. Mm-hmm. Here's the thought. When there is something, um, and don't just think conflict, just something, are you quick to speak or are you more prone to be silent? And I don't mean are you talkative. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about as you're engaging with someone, right? Yeah. Um, so more of the intentional conversations that are either encouraging or confronting, but not just confronting. Um, are you usually quick to speak or quick to maybe not say something? What's kind of your general approach? I think I would say I'm probably quicker to speak, um, especially in situations where I feel like I have more experience, but in relationships where I'm the younger one, I think I can be slower to speak, where I feel like maybe I don't have as much experience or insight to draw on, but I often feel like I should say something versus maybe I shouldn't say something. That's my natural bent. Um, So I'm going to give you a couple of contexts and then... I want you to kind of kind of put that up. By the way, I would give a similar answer to that, mm-hmm. is I'm probably more prone to say something. It's difficult to me. One of the lines that I usually say to people, and I, I think the more people know me, I think like if I were to turn to Steve right here, and I would say, Steve, you know, people have, there's the persona of Jim Johnson that I'm guilty of at some level projecting, mm-hmm. I and mean, that's true for all of us. Yeah. And then there's a, there are, there are parts that people read into that that are also wrong, and I'm willing to own my side of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but... I think people would go, yeah, but Jim just talks all the time, and and that is that is right. That is right in some sense, and then there's other senses in which it's not accurate at yeah. all. And so, but I think generally speaking, I think I would agree with you. Um, but I want to look at a couple of different contexts because we're going to be talking today about what I preached on Sunday, which was that there is a time to remain silent and a time to speak in terms of our relationships, mm-hmm. um, and we really want to put some some practicality to that and to try to flesh that out a little bit. And so here, here's some of the, some of the thoughts or some of the ideas that I want us to begin with. Um, so when you see someone hurting, <laughs> what goes through your mind and then how do you know like what and when to speak or not speak? Right? Like, so you're, you've been in ministry now for, and, and it's such a weird statement. I would say you've been doing ministry for a long time, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. in terms of formally, yeah. you've been on staff here since May. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, it's been a busy end of 2022. Is that fair? Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with ministry Mm -hmm. and talking and Mm -hmm. and even things that are happening just in your life, like happening in all of our lives, lots Mm -hmm. of things that are going on. 
someone is hurting, how do you, how do you work through in your mind? Like, what do I say? When do I say it? What do I not say? Thoughts? Yeah. I think my tendency, like I said, is to kind of rush in with lots of words and try and alleviate concerns or, um, probably like appropriately try to create like perspective, a biblical perspective of whatever it is, whether it's, um, relational tension or suffering or sickness or whatever that is to try and provide a biblical perspective. But I think what I've realized is that it's much more helpful maybe to wait um, (laughs) and to first be silent with someone. Um, And I think to ask clarifying questions about where they're at, like what are they feeling? Because I think a lot of times I can rush in trying to resolve something for them that actually doesn't need to be resolved in this moment, but to sit with somebody and then to get a, a better feel for what's actually happening here so I don't just speak into something that actually maybe is not even happening at all um, or doesn't need to be resolved. So I think I would say there's been many times I wish I would have waited and then come in and spoken fewer but more thoughtful, yeah. appropriate words to the situation. And it's probably not that you, oh, I totally misspoke, mm-hmm, it's, right. but I could have spoke better. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. So think about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you for a second, but I want you to think about maybe some examples Mm-hmm. That if you can if you can think about it, um, but I, I, here's what I like what you said is I like that you said uh, begin with silence mm-hmm. because it's not like do I say something or do I not say something right. it's usually when do I say something mm-hmm. and so it's not that it's all speaking or all silence it's literally learning that like in a conversation mm-hmm. there's a time for you to be quiet while I speak mm-hmm. and then it's my turn to be quiet while you speak. And so if you think of our dialogue with other people as having a little bit of that either rhythm Mm -hmm. and then add, if you add like the third person, so I'm speaking, Rachel's speaking, and no one is speaking. Mm -hmm. And so there is a silence for all of us and a silence for you and a silence for me. And I think if that happens, it it creates, um, I, I think, an awareness. Of what's happening mm-hmm. that, you know, that I, I think, again, we're talking not about just normal conversations over coffee. We're talking yeah. about intentional conversations where somebody needs to be strengthened, encouraged, confronted, um, built up, whatever mm-hmm. it might pos- instructed. I mean, all of those things that I like the idea. Let's start with, start with silence. Yeah. Start with like a, 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 a patience or a slowness in terms of our, our, our conversations. And then the second thing I like that you said is, and then begin with questions. Mm-hmm. I think that is really, 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 really helpful because uh, I think of a lot of instances where I walk into a room and someone has passed away or I walk into a room and there's a diagnosis that people are just trying to get their heads around and to just walk in at that moment and then to begin to speak mm-hmm. even words of comfort, right? just it, it, literally, weirdly enough, it sounds inappropriate mm-hmm. and to begin to ask some of the most very simple and natural questions, how are you doing? Yeah. Are you Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what happened. Like it can be s- as simple as that. And then literally like gauging and thinking and then responding to how they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I really love your idea of silence question and then begin to speak with some wisdom. Yeah. Um, any thoughts, examples that you kind of want to put your head around and, and share? Yeah. I think I would say um, specific times where someone shares 
like there's been a death or there's been um, uh, bad news from a doctor or something where there's kind of this weighty start to the conversation that to start with silence, I think what I've realized, even when I've been the one sharing the news with someone else who does a good job of this, is that to start with silence actually makes you feel more heard and Mm. like gives a greater weight to, like I just said something weighty, and if the other person just rushes in with words, feels like, I don't know if you really heard me. I don't know if you really <laughs> yeah. like felt the weight of what I just said. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so I think just knowing that of like, how can we listen well by starting with silence? And I think that that has been something I've appreciated from other people sure. to hear the weight and like you said, ask questions. I also think that starting with silence, if you're the person on the receiving end of the conversation, they say something heavy or or hard, gives you a chance to not just react out of your own anxiety Mm -hmm. in that moment. Somebody tells you that they got really bad news from a doctor and my heart rate skyrockets. It's like, I don't know what to say. This is really heavy and this is hard and I don't have a resolution. I don't have an answer for you. So to start with silence can prevent me from speaking just out of a need to resolve something in myself that really I should just be able to sit with and then speak and ask those questions. I think that's just helpful. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, as I, as I think about the different contexts, the different conversations that I've actually had, um, it's interesting how I, I hope I've gotten better over time. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you in the studio today and not Paul Weiss, mm-hmm. right, who's been literally in ministry for 312 years. <laughs> He's like our Methuselah, wouldn't you say, Steve? Exactly. Yes, Paul <laughs> Weiss is our Methuselah. That's why I call him Papa. Um, <laughs> is because I, I really do want to kind of hear, what is it like coming out of the gates? Like what is the, you know, what are even some of the more, um, to not just speak as an expert, as somebody who's got all these years of experience, but to actually to speak of somebody who, I mean, you don't get the luxury of mm-hmm. having experience right now. So yeah. you you are going to be put in situations, and you can't just go, hey, no, 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 you need to wait until 20 years when I know yeah. how to handle this better. Like, ministry doesn't work like that. Yeah. And I would even say, like, life doesn't work like that. Yeah. Like, everybody that, you know, heard my message on Sunday, I mean, they've got to decide this week whether mm-hmm. or not to say something or not to say something. Yeah. So it, it, it literally happens in time. Mm-hmm. And so um, have you learned anything in your very brief, but pretty intense (laughs) time of ministry about having conversations with people, whether, again, that be words of confrontation or encouragement. Um, Any thoughts that you've had in terms of what you've learned? Yeah. I think at some point I realized I was waiting for like an arrival point and where I would just suddenly have this clarity of mind Hmm. of in these situations where it'd be like, there will just be a moment in time whether, and I thought this all through growing up of like when I graduate high school or when I graduate college or when I do this or I do that, then suddenly I will just know, I will just have all the, yeah, Yeah, there'll be the moment. Skies will break open. Yeah. And like (laughs) this moment where all of a sudden I would just know what to do. And I think sometimes we talk about being led by the spirit that way, almost as if um, there's not a learning curve to wisdom. And so I think if there's anything I've learned, it's that there's not really an arrival point. Yeah, even even good. Paul, that's really you know, good. has not arrived in wisdom. And I think he could probably point to a time last week where 
he wished he would have said something or been silent. And so even just knowing, like, I'm not trying to get to this point where I suddenly don't make mistakes. Um, but being willing to put in the work, yeah. per se, yeah. to make decisions and then to evaluate those decisions, to look back and say, should I have spoken? Would Should I have been silent? And then to learn from those things. So I would say just seeing it as a learning process. Like you're not just going to get it right yeah. out of the gate. And Paul doesn't just get it right. Your parents don't just get it right every time. Um, so I think that's well, helpful. Well, And what I love about that is it explains the process of mm-hmm. sanctification. It mm-hmm. explains the process of relationships. Yeah. So one of the things I love to say to people when I'm talking with them, and they, they kind of pause, like they're trying to figure out the exact words to say. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll literally say, hey, tell you what, why don't you just say it and we'll clean it up later? <laughs> because, and I think that's a gracious way of saying, like, Rachel, I'm not going to try to hold you to exactly. Like, and let's say there's even like a, yeah. a, a disagreement that the two of us have. Mm-hmm. And so you see it one way and I see it another way. And we need to have this conversation. It's going to be difficult. And so now you're worried about, you know, what if I say this wrong? Mm-hmm. To be able to bring grace into that conversation while we're speaking and, not, yeah. and sometimes not speaking. And then to be able to say, hey, Rachel, like, I get it. Like, you may not perfectly know how to articulate this. Yeah. And so therefore, why don't you say it? And then truly, I'm not going to hold you right. to, well, you, you said this. Mm-hmm. Like that attitude is what is yeah. somewhat broken. And so what you're describing is this, if there's not an arrival, mm-hmm. then it's not as simple as get it right yeah. slash perfect in your mind mm-hmm. and then get the when right perfect in your mind and then go do it like that's such a mechanical Mm -hmm. way to process things and that's just not human yeah 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 and I even think like with the arrival point idea sometimes I think I can be prone to think of whatever the conversation is probably more with conflict but think of that conversation like it's the bottom of the ninth inning and there's two outs and I've got two strikes. And if I don't hit a home run, we lose, you know? And so I'm like, I, yeah, I play the conversation over and over in my mind and I try and get the timing right. And I say, just try to say just the right words. And I think that's just a flawed understanding of what wisdom is that one, like if we're in relationships with people, it shouldn't ever be if I don't hit a home run in this conversation, it's, it's over. over, you know? And so that's what you're saying is yes. like, it is this process. And I think being able to come back and say, you know, after I said that, I realized that may not have been helpful. Uh, I'm sorry for saying that. Yeah. And like having the humility to recognize it's not home run or nothing. It's a continuing conversation, continuing relationship. And I need to have the humility to be able to recognize Okay, that was a time where I made a mistake, yep. and now I want to be able to move forward and make this right, reconcile with you, or or I should have said something. I think I should have encouraged you in that moment, and now I'm learning. And that humility piece is just a game changer. Yeah, I had someone come up to me um, on Sunday and kind of mentioned that somebody had reached out to them and had said this very encouraging word at a moment that really kind of helped them. Mm-hmm. And they're so glad they did because that person didn't live much longer. And so mm. it was a really kind of a reconciling, peaceful, uh, encouraging time. Yeah. And then that person said, and then there was somebody else, and I really felt like I should say something. I really felt like I should say something. Um, and then 
again, in God's sovereign plan, that per, they, that person didn't speak, mm. and now that person's gone, mm. and now they're living with that. Yeah. And what do you do? And I love the, the idea of saying, listen, the good news is we do not believe that this world or even like our lives in this world is all that there is. Yeah. And so we trust God's grace. We trust God's. And so to learn from that, mm-hmm. um, to realize, wow, like I should have said this. And yeah. sometimes... Sometimes you can't go back. Like, I mean, right. I'll, I'll yeah. keep, I like your analogy. Um, and so you do, you, you need to hit a home run. Mm-hmm. Actually, you don't, we could get a triple and I bet you we yeah. could be figured <laughs> out, but a home run would win it. Yeah. And so let's say you're convinced I'm going to, I'm going to try for a home run and you don't, mm-hmm. you either swing and miss or you pop up deep to center <laughs> field and they catch it and the game's over. Yeah. There'll be another game. Mm-hmm. So like literally, like I yeah. promise you, we, even it's the last game well, there's next season. Yeah. And so there really is like a, a piece. Mm-hmm. So it's not and, and I think a lot of us feel like if we can somehow manufacture or control the fact whether or not we get a home run. Yeah. And the answer is you can't. Mm-hmm. And so don't be I think a lot of the anxiety that we actually feel negotiating silence or or speaking is getting it perfect and not making a mistake. Yeah. And it's like, what is it okay to get a mistake? Yeah. And to even then, and again, I tried to stress in in, um, in in the sermon on Sunday that there's the R side of that. So, for example, going back to our analogy, um, Rachel, just say it, and we'll clean it up. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to trust that I mean that. And so, how do I? Before we even get into this conversation, yeah. How do I present myself to you? Where you would go, oh, yeah, I could totally say it completely wrong. And Jim's Jim's on my side. Yeah. Jim's wanting this relationship to work. And so, okay, here it goes. Instead of going, I'm not doing that. Like, you've burned me twice when I've done that. I'm not doing that. So how do I, <laughs> before I even figure it out, how do I uh, exist in relationship with you? Or, you know, you can expand that to whatever, in which there really is a grace-filled back and forth context in which there is trust. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big piece. Yeah. I think there's in a relationship, there's what you say and then there's what you say by what you do. And I think Hmm. you need both things in a relationship. If you're trying to cultivate uh, humility, I'm ready to receive either encouragement or um, a rebuke or just to work through conflict so I think it is helpful, and it's been really helpful in relationships that I've had just to say, like, hey, just for the record, like, maybe this doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyways. Mm-hmm. I am ready to receive. Like, I respect you, and if you have wisdom that you want to share um, or you have something you're concerned about or yeah. or something that you see in me that you can point out, whether that's maturity or immaturity, I'm ready to receive that, and I respect you a lot. I want to hear from you. And anytime anyone has said that to me or I've said that to someone, it's like, oh, wow, we can we can just have this. Like, she just said that, and now I know she's she's open to that. Yeah. Um, so there's what you say, and I think that's worth saying in relationships. Um, but then also I think how you – your attitude towards that person, I think – when I'm looking at someone else to identify, could they receive something hard or could they receive me pointing out something mature in them or how the spirit's working, the way that they speak about other people's mistakes 
yeah. can be really telling. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's nothing that I've done specifically with you, but you've mm-hmm. paid attention in staff meeting. And, and so in the end, you can't really point to one thing, but it's yeah. like, but Jim, I know, I know you. Yeah. And so this is what I know about you. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we have to own that. Yeah. And work through it. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I think that like that can be a good um, check for ourselves of how do I respond when I make a mistake? Um, Am I constantly beating myself up over that? And then how do I respond when other people make mistakes? How do I speak about those things? And then what does that communicate to people about if they make a mistake? Sure. Um, and, And if I make a mistake, would I be ready to hear from them on that? Um, so I think that can just be a good like check for ourselves. How do I respond and what am I communicating to the people around me about whether I have the capacity and humility to receive hard conversations or really life-giving encouragement? Yeah. You know, go- going back to it, there really is uh, in between the speaking and the silence. In both of them, there has to be a measure of um, a well-intentioned uh, grace that exists, yeah. um, uh, a, a, a marriage idea, um, and you're not currently married, um, but a, a really important marriage idea that really helped Andrea and I was when Emerson Egrich was describing that uh, for a marriage to truly succeed, and I think this could happen in any relationship, mm-hmm. is that you have to ask yourself, does the other person intend well for me? Or is this other person a truly wicked person? Yeah. So that when disagreement comes in, when there's a misunderstanding, then you begin to ask, okay, so Rachel said that, and I, I'm, I'm taking it this way. Mm-hmm. And then I begin to ask, is she a well-intended person or not a well-intended person towards me? Yeah. And if, if, I, if, if I somehow make you guilty of like evil intent, mm-hmm. does that match what I know Rachel to be? And yeah. if the answer is no, which is for my wife, it's no. She's a very well-intended person. She always wants what's well for me. Um, and so we may disagree. She may be wrong about what she thinks is well for me. But you know what she's not guilty of? She's not guilty of the uh, the, the maliciousness. She's yeah. not bad. She's not guilty of the, of the, the wrong intent. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be really helpful in terms of conversations and even in terms of silence. Yeah. I think some people can misread silence. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the best ways that can happen in a real relationship is to begin to say, Hey, how, what would be the best way for me to communicate with you? Like, tell me like, what is the best way? Mm -hmm. And to be able to say to somebody else, like, these are the ways in which I think it'd be really good if, um, there is a problem that, um, that you come to me sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, or by the way, I, I think, or I, I, I wish you would come to me a little bit later. I wish you would come to me a little bit slower. I mm-hmm. wish you would, to be able to have that. And again, I'm talking about the most significant relationships. Yeah. To be able to kind of create a dialogue mm-hmm. like you would in a marriage, but anyone can do this with their significant relationships yeah. and work on a way of communicating, speaking and not speaking, mm-hmm. that is gracious, that follows the plan or follows the ideal of, of, of well-intendedness. Yeah. And by the way, and if there's no, if there's not a well-intended spirit, then you have to ask yourself some other questions about yeah. that friendship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, last question. And we're not going to give names, mm-hmm. so I don't want to go down that road. Not interested at all. Is there somebody right now that you've got to talk to that when I, for example, when the subject comes up, Mm -hmm. do you have one or two or three people in your mind that just kind of like, boom? Yeah. You do? Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) I mean, I think sometimes there's even like, it's not like, oh, I need to have this conversation with person A. 
and and that's what I'm thinking about. But there are relationships I think that exist in my life that whether it's just the season of friendship or decisions that that person's making or that I'm making sure. that lend themselves like we're in a season of having more of these intense hmm. conversations. Yeah, because big decisions are being made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And so I think that even if there's not maybe a spe- specific conversation that's like I need to talk about this with this person tomorrow, I think there are relationships that come to my mind that it's like I have these type of conversations with them much more often right now than I do with person C. So that, I mean, that's a real thing. So um, in, in light of what, not just what I said on Sunday, but in light of right. this topic, and we've been talking about it in staff meetings, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like, it's not like we don't just get 20 minutes with this or 30 minutes right. with this, right? Like yeah. this is, we, we swim in this. Um, are you, are you ready for it? Like, are you, are you, are you more, I don't know, are you more encouraged? Are you more strengthened? Are you more, I guess, uh, when I say at ease, I don't mean like, and therefore it uh, is kind of this passive at yeah. easement, but it's, I mean, are you, you ready? Yeah. In one sense, I think, yes. I think the questions that you gave um, are a really helpful roadmap as far as what is my relationship with this person? What is my responsibility? What are our differing maturity levels? Yeah. How do I yeah. not overestimate my own and underestimate someone else's? Yeah. Um, Which, and, by the way, I think is the tendency. Yes. Is we over we overestimate our maturity and we underestimate others. Yeah. 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 That's very good. Those questions and when do I bring someone else in and then how do I now respond if speaking or silence? I think those questions are really helpful um, to do on the back end before you ever get into that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that when you walk through those questions, it doesn't mean that like when I have these difficult conversations, I just won't have any fear or it won't be awkward yeah. or yep. Yep. or that it even guarantees a positive response. Yep. That's not the goal. The goal is not to have the formula and then it always turns out great. But I think that having this conversation talking about that love both does both of these things helps me feel more confident in the fact that I need to do both of these things, not just all one or all the other and confident that yes, I will make mistakes, but that by the power of the Holy spirit and the help of community, and growing up in wisdom, that this will be something that I do grow in over time, and that the only way to grow is by being obedient with what I have right now. Yeah. And so I think that that's encouraging to know. I don't have to arrive, but I do, like the Bible has given us a roadmap yeah. to start making decisions, yeah. and then we have a humility to say, okay, next time I'm going to do something a little bit different, or even to say, I think I did what I should have done. And I don't think that that person responded and I'm okay with that Yeah, because my identity is not based in their response to me. To me. And that's, that I think is where we end the day. Like I can be confident in my identity in Christ, regardless of how this conversation turns out. There's grace for me and grace for them. And you did what you could do. And then this is the part about understanding your maturity level. Mm -hmm. I did what I could do at that time. Like I don't kick myself for making mistakes when I was 22, 23 Mm -hmm. because that was the best version of me when I was 22, 23. And I think we all understood that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there can be a sense of peace and uh, recognition of what God's plan and purpose is, you know, so that's really, 
I think really, really helpful. I meet people all the time <clears throat> who are in a difficult circumstance and we need to meet, we need to talk. Um, and then they maybe want to bring in somebody else because they believe that if we just sit and talk, it'll all be okay. Mm -hmm. And I love to remind them, I think we do need to talk. Um, I'm not trying to delay it. I mm -hmm. just want you to know <laughs> that in a marriage or any kind of significant relationship, this conversation we're going to have in my office for 20 minutes or 20 hours <laughs> is not going to fix the problem. Yeah. That it is a conversation yeah. and it is the living out of these things that's going to ultimately matter. And I don't say that to make that conversation meaningless. Right. It's just literally one cup of water in a lake. Mm -hmm. And so you just need to acknowledge that's what it is. Yeah. And so we don't have to figure it out today. Mm -hmm. And that idea of then kind of recognizing the long run, if, and then we always believe that um, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to be leading us and guiding us, yeah. then all of a sudden it's going to fix it. I can't tell you how many times I've thought to myself, you know, they say they want to meet and they say they want to talk, and I think we can figure this out. And in the end, I can do it. I can do it great and it not work out. Yeah. Or they can do it great and I'm the one messing it up. Like there's yeah. all these, and instead of just getting frustrated or instead of giving up, we just, well, well the good news is we'll be playing another day. Yeah. Very good. Thank you so much. I I, I, uh, I really appreciate your, your help. And um, I like stopping by her office. We're right beside each other. <laughs> We're neighbors. And neighbors. And she, I think she gets a little nervous because she's like, what's Jim going to do? It's true. And uh, I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. You keep me on my toes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Although you're usually sitting. You're usually not standing. True. So I don't true. know if you're on your, oh, that was a metaphor. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with that. <laughs> Thanks, Rach. Thanks, Jim.